0: Join me as I read the word of the Lord from 2 Kings, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Naaman was the captain of an army for the king of Aram. He was important to his king because the Lord used him to lead Aram to victory. Naham was a great and powerful man, but he was also sick with leprosy. That means his skin was, he had sores on his skin. The Aramean army sent many groups of soldiers to fight in Israel. One time they took a little girl from the land of Israel. This girl became a servant to Naaman's wife. Now Naaman was the captain of the army, okay, of the bad guys. She said to his wife, I wish that my master would meet the prophet who lives in Samaria. He could heal Naaman of his leprosy. Naaman went to the king and told him what the Israelite girl said. Then the king of Aram said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman went to Israel. He took 750 pounds of silver, 6,000 pounds pieces of gold and 10 changes of clothes as gifts. Naaman took the letter from the king of Aram to the king of Israel. The letter said, "Now, this letter is to show that I am sending my servant Naaman to you. Cure his leprosy." The king of Israel had read the let when he read the letter, he tore his clothes to show that he was sad and upset. He said, Am I God? I don't have the power over life and death. So why did the king of Aram send this man who was sick with leprosy to me to be healed? Think about it, and you will see that it's a trick. The king of Aram was trying to start a fight. Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. So Elisha sent this message to the king. Why did you tear your clothes? Let Naaman come to you. Then he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots to Elisha's house and stood outside the door. Elisha sent a messenger to Naaman and said, Go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, seven baths. Then your skin will be healed, and you will be pure and clean. Naaman became angry and left, and he said, I thought Elisha would at least come out and stand in front of me and call on the name of the Lord his God. I thought he would wave his hand over my body and heal my leprosy. The rivers of Damascus are better than all the water in Israel. Why can't I wash in those rivers in Damascus where I live? and become clean. He was very angry and he turned ready to leave. But Naaman's servants went to him and talked to him and they said, Father, of the Pro- if the prophet told you to do this, then it's a good thing. You should do it. Isn't that right? And he said, wash and you will be pure. So Naaman did what the man of God said, and he went and dipped himself into the Jordan River seven times, and he became pure and clean. His skin became soft like the skin of a baby. This is the word of the Lord. God, we come
1: today full of so many things, so many worries, so many thoughts, so many plans. And we ask that you quiet those in us, that you still those things that are moving in us and invite us into a space where we can hear your words speak to our hearts, speak to that place in us that is in need of healing, that place in us which is in need of washing clean. May your spirit be with us and open us up, fill us up, and send us out. In God's name we pray amen. So in our house we've been going through a little bit of a Hamilton the musical phase and I say a little bit I mean a lot like that's all we're allowed to listen to and um, they know it so well that they will randomly break out into uh, whatever song happens to be on their mind and if you've seen Hamilton not all of the lyrics are appropriate for people especially small children um, to be telling other people, (laughs) right? And so we've had to have some conversations about what we're allowed to rap when we're around other people, because they may not understand the context of what what they're saying, right? I mean, we're in such of a Hamilton phase that uh, my daughter went as Alexander Hamilton for Halloween, which was a tremendously awesome costume and much loved by all the adults who saw her. And so I've watched it several times recently all the way through, and I've recently noticed something that I'd never noticed before, which is that Hamilton is not the hero. You would think, because it's called Hamilton, that Hamilton is the hero of the musical, but it's not really Hamilton who's the hero of the musical, and it's not really Aaron Burr who's the hero of the musical. If there is a hero, it's George Washington, which is sort of true to history, but... Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton are presented as two opposites of the same coin. You see, Alexander was born in St. Nevis, which was a British colony at the time, and he had nothing to lose, not a thing. His father left him, his mother died, his uncle, who was the only remaining relative he had, committed suicide. So Alexander is stuck at 14 by himself with no education, nothing. He has nothing to lose. And he's so smart that the people of the islands collect money to send him to New York to be educated as a lawyer. And in the musical, he meets Aaron Burr, and they have a conversation about how they're so much alike. Burr is also uh, an orphan. His parents have died. But unlike Alexander, his parents were very well-known in the community. They were wealthy. They were rich. They were uh, respected figures in New York City at the time and so when their parents left Burr was left not with nothing but the opposite of nothing. Burr was left with the responsibility to uphold the legacy that his family has and one of my favorite songs in the musical is uh, is one that we don't tout very often but it's called Wait For It and it's Aaron Burr telling his side of the story. And it's saying that, great, it's awesome to be Alexander when you have nothing to lose, you can do anything. There's, he has nothing to lose, so he can do anything at all. He can risk anything, he can say whatever he wants, he can go out into society and shout from the rooftops. And if he gets you know, arrested by the British and put on trial for treason, he's lost nothing. Because he has no family, no responsibility, no legacy to protect while Burr has to protect his family's name. and So he does not have the luxury of doing all of the things that Alexander does. He has to wait and pick his moment and pick his time and decide when it's appropriate for him to step forward. And as we learn throughout the musical, both make make bad choices. Alexander doesn't know when to stop. When he's finally got a family and children and a position and responsibility, he keeps acting like he has nothing to lose. And Burr, when he doesn't have anything at all, no position, no anything, never learns to have the freedom that Alexander lives with. And so both are presented as being not villains, but not heroes either. Alexander is just as bad as Aaron Burr is for different reasons. Now, this is important because it's important to recognize that some of us in this world have a lot to lose. We have a lot to lose. We have families to lose. We have jobs to lose. We have positions to lose. And some of us don't have anything to lose and so therefore can go crazy can make choices and have risks and do things that we wouldn't choose to do. And so often, legacies and positions can be as much a burden as a blessing. Naaman is a king's helper. He is the captain of the army. He is, for all intents and purposes, not George Washington, but George Washington's right hand he is in charge of the army and he has been a blessing to people he has been seen as the the conduit of god's blessing for the people of aram who are israel's enemy israel get him <laughs> <There you are. laughs> Sorry, mommy moment. Okay, we're back. Um, Aram and Israel are enemies. And Aram is sort of modern-day Syria, if you can think about that. So it's still going on, right? Israel and Syria and Lebanon don't really get along still to this day. Syria is full of beautiful places. And Israel is a little bit of a backwater town. But Naaman has been struck with leprosy. Now, we know nowadays that leprosy is not contagious. Leprosy is not something you're gonna get from somebody just by being in the room with them. Leprosy actually requires pretty close contact with another person. They basically have to sneeze in your face multiple times. Does that sound familiar? You can't just catch leprosy by being near someone, but they didn't know that at the time. They just assumed that leprosy was something that you could get from being around someone. Leprosy was something you could get by being near, by knowing someone with leprosy. And so Naaman had everything to lose. He does his best job trying to hide the leprosy for as long as possible. But like Penny mentioned before, leprosy is a disease that is pretty visible. It covers your skin with scaly, gross-looking marks. It looks... It looks sort of like chicken pox after it has crusted over, you know, those of us who were old enough to have actually gotten chicken pox. It's gross. It looks nasty. And what it really does is it deadens the skin underneath of the sore. And so you can have leprosy for 50 years and everything will be fine. You just have scales on your skin. But back in the day when you didn't have good hygiene, back in the day when you didn't wear shoes, if you had leprosy, you got infections and that's what caused you so much trouble leprosy didn't actually cause any damage it was the infections that people got because they couldn't feel pain that caused all the trouble so naaman can't be an army general anymore if he has a disease which causes him not to be able to feel things you can't ride a horse if you can't feel your feet naaman has everything to lose And so when a little girl who they stole from her parents pipes up and says, I know of a man who can heal this disease, Naaman, who can solve all of your problems, he went, because he was desperate. He went, but he went in his way. He went with his rules. He went to be cleared of this disease using his background. And so he showed up with money lots and lots of money and clothes and gifts for the king of israel who had absolutely nothing to do with the healing because he thought if he paid enough money he could be healed but it turns out the diseases don't care how much money you have turns out that you can get leprosy if you're a poor person or a rich person you can get diseases whether you're a poor person or a rich person you can get diseases whether you have power or not And diseases don't care. They don't care about money or power or position or how much you have to lose. They just strike. And so the king sort of laughs at him and gets a little angry and says, you don't have any clue. I can't do anything about this. Why would you expect me to do anything about this? This is ridiculous. When Elisha pipes up and says, but you know what? I can do something about that the guy who nobody expects, the guy who has nothing, no family, no tradition, nothing. He's the one who offers healing. And so Naaman goes to the river, and he looks at the river, and the River Jordan is both very small and extremely gross. It is full of mud. It is not a clear river. It is not like a nice spa activity, though we go have mud baths now for skin diseases, so maybe he knew what he was talking about. It's gross and nobody's getting in this river, especially if they have things that they want to do with their lives, like not catch diseases from muddy rivers. So he walks away angry because he can't have what he wants on his terms. And then everybody calls him on it. Naaman, you're being ridiculous. Look at all this stuff you have to lose. Look at all these things that you have, that you can't have if you continue to have this disease. Friends, family, position, money, power. You can't have those things unless you are healed. So Naaman reluctantly gets into the mud, washes himself seven times and gets out of the river. And I think the reason Naaman is so resistant is because he's so afraid. Naaman is so resistant to God's cleansing because Naaman is resistant to the idea that he cannot control his life. The man who has power over everything, who has money, who has position, who has family history, has no control over this disease and no control over how it is healed or if it is healed, and he doesn't want to go in the river because he's afraid it will work. Because if he goes in the river and he gets cleaned, if he goes in the river and this works, if he goes in the river and Israel and its prophets are the ones who clean him, if God is the one who cleanses him, then he has to give up everything. He is not an Israelite. He has position and power and family tradition and a God of his own. And the last thing that he wants to do is to change And he is afraid that if he goes in that river, he's going to have to be somebody different when he comes back out because he is going to have to be somebody different. Because if God heals you, if you go in a muddy river and come out clean, and that is the act of God, then how can you not be changed? Naaman is afraid. He is afraid to lose everything. How many times in our lives do we let our fear of change keep us from living into the life God has made us? God has a plan for us, but God is not gonna make you take that step. God doesn't stand there with lightning bolts and shoot them at your feet until you move. God waits for you to move. God waits for you to walk into the muddy river that is way gross way harder God waits for you to recognize that you have a disease that you cannot clean by yourself and maybe there's family tradition holding you back and maybe there's a position that you might lose holding you back maybe you like who you are and you're perfectly content with your leprosy but we are so often afraid of what is on the other side of the river that we are not willing to get into it. There is nothing waiting for us. There is nothing left for us on the safe bank. God promises us that if we enter into the water, we will come out of it clean again. We will come out of it on the other side a new person. We will come out of it on the other side cleansed, of the things that are holding us back from God's love. And for those of us who have seen God at work in our lives, those of us who have been present when God has done things that are unbelievable, those of us who are already here worshiping God should have nothing to be afraid of. What do you have to lose And is the thing that you're afraid of losing worth staying in the same spot in the fear of losing it god is not leaving us in the river god is not going to leave us in the middle of the mud god is not going to leave you with your leprosy on the side of the water god is calling you to be brave and to be bold and to acknowledge that god has got you in hand. And so when God asks you to get into the bath water, when God says, it's time to take a bath so we can go to school in the morning, you should, like all good children, take a bath. Because if we don't take the bath, then we stink. If we don't take a bath, we're still dirty. If we don't get in the water, then we are still beholden to our fear. And I might be afraid of getting in the water, I might be afraid of what happens when I get out of the water, but I would rather be in God's hands and a little bit afraid than stuck on my own and a lot afraid. It's time to get in the mud. And we don't need to be afraid of that. Amen.